After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast, college style, along with Aaron Fit, live in studio in the podcast nook. I'm John Manuel. Uh, I love saying live on a podcast since it's not live, Aaron, but right. you are live and you are here in person, and we're not messing with Skype. So welcome back to Durham, and uh, welcome back to another season of college baseball. I'm ready to go, John. Let's do it. We should do it. We're going to talk a lot of college baseball on this podcast. We're going to talk top 25, and this is really the kickoff for Baseball America's college coverage for 2012 and uh, the college previews in full swing. And I don't want to list everything here that's going to be in that issue just because that will make for a very boring podcast. But suffice it to say, there's a lot of stuff going on the college preview issue, and it's also our early draft preview issue. So even if you don't like college baseball, if you like the draft, there's a lot to get ready for in the next couple of weeks. We also want to remind you that the 2012 Baseball America books are uh, in full swing it's book season at Baseball America, not wabbit season, not duck season, not even fiddler crab season. It's it's book season. The uh, directory is going to press soon. The prospect handbook is out. It is shipping this week. If you order a prospect handbook from us, you'll have it in the next week with your uh, – well, not in the next I, – oh, I can't guarantee the U.S. mail, actually, Aaron, but you'll have it as soon as possible. And we are shipping out if you ordered from us. Uh, you'll get your prospect handbook with your 31st prospect supplement. And you can order directly from us any of those books, the Almanac, the Directory, the Prospect Handbook, by calling 800-845-2726 or going to baseballamerica.com slash store. You can also subscribe and start up with your college preview issue, Aaron. And there's a very familiar look uh, for this year's college preview issue. There's a lot of Southeastern Conference feel uh, to this because the Southeastern Conference right now is dominating college sports, whether it's football. I shouldn't say college basketball. They're dominating, but – Football and college baseball, uh, they're dominating. And, of course, Kentucky yeah. is the number one team in, in college basketball right now. So I don't know how they're doing in, in water polo, but uh, as far as the sports play. we care about, I, I think they're doing pretty good. Yeah, I don't think they care. Uh, I don't think they play water polo, but if they did, they, you know, I know that uh, Bobby Kelty played water polo and then went to Ole is Miss. Is that right? He did. He did play water polo, uh, I believe, in high school. Um, but, that, but I digress. I always liked Bobby Kelty. He was one of my favorite prospects. Um, but the, a real SEC feel to this year's preseason top 25 rankings, SEC at number 1, 3, 4, 8, 10, and 11. So six teams in the top 11. I don't know if we've gone back to look and see if that's unprecedented. We probably should uh, put our uh, crack research team cough, our intern cough, on that. But um, I don't think we had very long deliberations. Florida was an easy call for us at number 1 in the preseason uh, is Florida? You've been covering. You've been the beat guy on this since 2007, and you've been covering college baseball for us since 2005. Really, uh, is Florida the best team on paper going into the season since you got here and since start you started doing this? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I think every other year we've had to really think about who was going to be number one, and even last year I think Florida was a fairly easy choice. Yeah. Uh, this year it was a slam dunk. I mean, it, you know. We, we even gave them an 80 grade for the, the Baseball America OFP that we use. Uh, first time we've done that since we started this system. And, and you know, I'm, originally I was a little hesitant to, to do that just because you don't give away 80 grades easily. Right. But we, only, it, we only have one in the whole prospect handbook. I mean, there are yeah. 936 
scouting reports if you order from us in the prospect handbook. And the, the 36 of those guys are not graded, but 900 of them are graded. And we gave 180 in that whole book of 900 guys. Another one to, to one of your guys, to Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, right. And the Nationals organization. So really, if you want to make the analogy, the, the Gators are kind of the, the Bryce Harper of college baseball. The difference is they're much more well-rounded and complete. They're not as loud, crazy, toolsy as Bryce Harper. They have tools as a team, um, but they are so steady, and they're about as safe a bet to get to the College World Series in the preseason as a team that I've seen. Yeah. They've gone back-to-back years. and I mean, they were going to be in your eight for Omaha last year anyway, but then when they got Preston Tucker back, right. to me that made a huge difference for them because – in this era, the BB Corbats era, it certainly makes a difference when you have legitimate power. And for me, that's the biggest separator with Florida. Right. They do have pitching depth, but there are other teams in our in our top 25 that have pitching depth. They have some athletic ability, but there are other teams that have athletic ability. They actually have proven power in Mike right. Zanino and Preston Tucker. To me, that makes a big difference. I don't know if it makes as big of a difference for you. I think it does. I mean, and we saw that last year in Omaha with Florida. The power was a was a separator for them. Yeah, um, it is. And you know, and it's balanced too. I mean, it's it's Tucker from the left side, Zanino from the right side. Uh, you know, I like the fact that you mentioned Tucker coming back as a big key for them. You know, this is a mature senior. Uh, a guy that can handle these bats and can hit the ball out of the park. And Zanino certainly qualifies as well after what he did last year. Um, and then you throw in, you know, a guy like Austin Maddox, who yep. who does have big-time raw power. We'll Correct. see if it's, if he use, uses it better this year. You have Brian Johnson, who's got massive power from the left side. Right. I mean, this is a guy that people were raving about all summer with wood bats. Uh, Team USA said that he he came in and took the best BP right away com- coming off the College World Series. He was uh, impressive I, with Team USA. I'll say he looked yeah. he looked impressive on the mound. He looked impressive at the plate. He looked more impressive at the plate. Uh, I, yeah. I always regret leaving him out of the high school. Uh, uh, was he at, maybe he was number two? He was in the, he was in the top two hundred of okay. the high school. I know he was a late yeah. entry into that uh, into that fray out of high school. And he's their best player. He is their best player, and I, I saw him also. Uh, you know, in the Cape, in Yarmouth, and he had just a, a absolute moonshot out to right field. I mean, a it's, bomb. The, the guy is he's he's a beast. You know, and um, it's hard to say that he's the best player considering that Mike Zanino is so good. But I really think Brian Johnson. I think Zanino might be their. I mean, he's their everyday player, and he's a catcher. He may you could even sort of say most valuable. But to me, Brian Johnson really just being a two-way guy like that. I guess also their question is: Do they have the depth? It seems like they have the depth pitching-wise that if they don't want to if, – if it's midseason and Brian Johnson appears to be taxed by this two-way role, they have the depth and the flexibility yeah. that they can really pick their spots Absolutely. with him on the mound, can't they? Well, I mean, I, I think you're going to see him on the mound every weekend. I think okay. that part is a given uh, because he's a really good pitcher. I mean, okay. you know, it's easy to get caught up in, in the bat because it's I think it's a special bat. But, uh, I mean, you know, this guy, not to give too much away, but – our, our All-America balloting from the scouting directors. Yeah. He was, he's voted onto the first team by the scouting directors as a pitcher and the third team as a hitter. Right. You know, so he received – and that's not even counting the, the utility, the two-way category. Right. Some people voted for him. I, I, I remember typing up a couple ballots um, where he was voted as first base and pitcher and utility. Yeah. I mean, people – scouts have a great deal of respect for Brian Johnson, and so do, I think, yeah. 
coaches and other college baseball players because they see how good he is as a player and as a future player. And, and just go back to what you said about how they have the depth, though, if they need to protect him a little bit. I think really you would see maybe a guy like Vikash Ramjit um, play some more first base and, you know, Maddox maybe could DH. Uh, right. They've got some other guys, some freshmen that they brought in that they could get some time in DH or first base. I mean, they've got, they've got a lot of depth for sure, uh, but I, I do expect you'll see him in the rotation all year long. Their holes last year appeared to be, I don't know, this will be the last point on Florida. If they had holes, uh, you would say that it was at third base. They were they struggled there a little bit. Yeah. And I guess I really can't even think of another hole. But their outfield wasn't a super big strength for them last year. And they wrote, basically, I guess I'd say really their defense. Because they were really trying to find ways to get Maddox's bat and Tucker and Johnson's bat all in the field at the same time. And sometimes yeah. they had to kind of shoehorn guys to do that. Uh, how's their third ba- third base situation been addressed, and what do they look like in the outfield this year after Bryson Smith, who really kind of solved their center field puzzle, uh, has graduated? I think you're still going to see a little bit of a platoon situation at third base. I mean, I think Zach Powers is the guy that I would say is probably the front runner. I think he's got more upside. Um, but, you know, Cody Dent is still there. Okay. He's a defensive-oriented guy. Um, I think you'll you'll see some of him. Um, you could see, you know, they, they've got a couple of freshmen uh, with Casey Turgeon and, and, and Josh Tobias that will probably get time at second, maybe third. I mean, there's some, again, these are athletic guys. Right. That, uh, you know, they're undersized guys, but they can really play the game. And, and I think they, I think they're going to be really good college players. And, say, those are, they sound like Tobias and, and Turgeon both sound like really good spark plug yeah, kind of college yeah, players. Exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. So um, as far as, you know, if I had to find a, a question mark with this team, uh, Besides, I mean, third base, like you mentioned, that is still one area of, that's a little bit unsettled. The outfield, to me, uh, defensively, I think is, is going to be fine. I don't think it's going to be exceptional. I mean, I think Tyler Thompson profiles is probably you know, a left fielder in pro ball. Right. They're going to put him in, probably in center because he does a good job out there. He's got good instincks. He's no Matt Dendecker. He takes good though. routes. He's not Matt Dendecker. He's probably not Bryson Smith. He just doesn't have the natural speed and athleticism of those guys. But, I mean, get I, I think it, he'll Sully. be fine. Get on it, Come on. Get your center, center field. Right, I mean, uh, the right. rest of your team's perfect. So. Maybe, maybe you'll see a guy like uh, like Tobias out there. I mean, that's a guy that runs pretty well. I mean, that's another option potentially for them in center field. That's an interesting point there. Uh, and on the mound, we, I think we, I don't mean to underplay it, but I, I think we all know, if you listen to co- if you follow college baseball, you know Hudson Randall. You know how good he was last year. He's basically like a college Greg Maddox, basically. Right, I mean, right. he just carves people up. We know uh, Karsten Whitson's talent. That was uh, very evident last year in Omaha. And for much of the regular season, I think you might see Karsten Whitson unleashed a little bit more this year. I agree. The reins on him were very tight, as we wrote about last year in the Caldwell Series. And Brian Johnson uh, and, and their depth on the mound is exemplary. And that's really what separated them from Stanford, it appears, uh, Aaron, is that Stanford has very intriguing talent. I think maybe in terms of raw talent, the second-ranked Cardinal might be a, t- a hair above Florida. It's, it's close. You can make they're that the, argument. They're in the stratosphere. Physical talent. They're certainly more physical in, in some ways. Um, but Stanford really – what, what does Stanford need to do to take that next step from Super Regional team last year to Omaha team this year? I think, first of all, you know, they need, they need Brett Mooneyham to come back strong. I mean, this is a guy that over the course of his career, you know, has always had big-time arm strength from the yeah. left side. He's a big guy. He looks the part, and it's just been a matter of throwing strikes. And He's he, been an enigma. In, in, in his career, he has not thrown enough strikes consistently. And, of course, he missed all last season with that finger injury. Right. Um, they need him to be good this year. And, and signs were encouraging this fall. 
Um, you know, it sounds like they think he's he's really turned a corner with the feel for pitching the command. So I think that's a major key. I, I think AJ Venegas on, you know, potentially the Sunday guy. I mean, that's not that's not set in stone, but they would like him to be the Sunday guy. I think right. he's again he was a big time recruit for them last year. Had I think kind of a disappointing freshman year. Um, again, the feel for pitching wasn't what you expected it to be because coming in he had a guy that had a reputation as being very polished. Yep. And you know his his. He struggled, I think, to throw the breaking ball for strikes. Fastball command just wasn't where it should be. Um, again, they think he made a, a step forward in the fall, so I think he's a big key. Even Mark Appel, John, is a 500 pitcher in his career. I agree. No, I mean, Mark you know, Appel is not. He, he's number one on our college top 100 prospects list right now, and he's a Stanford ace, and there's a lot that goes into that. There's, yeah. a, there's a heritage there. But to me, he's not uh, – if you ask me who I'd rather have to pitch a college baseball game – Hudson Randall, ten times out of ten over Mark Appel. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, so that I think Stanford physically uh, on the mound, they they have a lot of physicality. In the field, they have a lot of it. Whether it's right. Jake Stewart, Austin Wilson, uh, Lonnie Coppola, Brian Regeira, Kane DeCroo, athletic, big, strong, fast. To me, their best player, Stephen Piscotty. He's the guy who's done the most, yes. and he seemed like he opened a lot of eyes in the Cape Cod League, Aaron, just with. Not just the bat, but with his arm as well. And he seems like oh, he's yeah. going to play a pretty – I don't know if he's going to play as big a role for Stanford as Brian Johnson does for Florida, but it, there are some parallels there. It sounds like they would like to use him as a closer in addition to being the everyday third baseman. And this guy um, is one of the best pure hitters in, in the country. Um, you know, and he's got some power, and, and he's got arm strength at third. And, you know, the, the actions I think are, are good enough there. He's, he's a good all-around player. He's a right. really good all-around player. Uh, but the arm, you know, off the mound is is it's nasty. I mean, it's you know, it's the low slot and it's mid 90s and it's a it's a really good power breaking ball. I don't think you'll ever see him for more than one inning. Right. Um, he's going to be just a you know a two way guy that comes in and 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 closes it out for him hopefully. Um, but you know, I mean, again, this is another question for Stanford though is they don't have maybe the proven guy in the back of the bullpen. Piscotty hasn't really pitched in college. Right. Uh, and uh, you know. They you, lost Chris Reed. They, they lost, lost Scott, Scott, Scott Snodgrass. Uh, both those guys were drafted pretty good. A couple of yeah. power left-handers who really were their two main relievers last right, year. Right, exactly. And so, you know, uh, they've got good young arms. They do have Brian Busick, who's, you know, a veteran. Uh, Dean McCardle, I think, is a very valuable guy for them, whether he starts or is in the bullpen. I mean, he's just one of those college grinder types. Guys, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know. They've got arms, but but they've got to answer questions in the mound, and 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 frankly, they've got to answer questions in in the lineup. I mean, they need they need Brian Regeira to you know he was good last year. He needs to be better as a sophomore. Right. Austin Wilson, I think, needs to be a lot better as a sophomore. Um, you know, even Kenny Kroger had a really disappointing second half last year. He needs to put that behind him, offensively and defensively. And and yeah, Kenny Kroger is one of the bigger uh, question marks I think in the whole country. If you're listening to this because of the draft part of it. I came to Kroger, entered last year. I'm pretty sure as our number one sophomore. Quite possibly. In the last he year. was he very high. Number one, he was number two. Unsigned second-round pick out of high school. We weren't super high on Kane to Kroger out of high school. He didn't have as big of a reputation maybe as some other people had. Sometimes I think this also happens with Northern California kids because scouts don't always, especially a guy who's a Northern California kid and is a Stanford signee, Sometimes they're just like, okay, we'll check back on you in three years. So sometimes those guys get ranked a little bit lower in our high school rankings coming out of high school uh, in the draft. But DeKroger's been a little underwhelming in college. I don't think there's another yeah. way to put it. Yeah. Uh, just seeing him last year in the Super Regional, there, there's athleticism there. And then he's a little bit more of an unknown for scouts too, Aaron, in that he did not play last summer 
He was offered a spot on Team USA on the college national team, but it was not guaranteed that he would play every day. So he wound up just working out basically the whole summer, didn't go play summer ball like he had the year before in the NECBL. And to me, Kane Kroger has a lot to prove. He's been pushed in the fall for his shortstop job by Lonnie Coppola, who's, I think, a really good player, the most underrated player on this team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's easily overshadowed, but I think he's dynamic, and I think he's – I love his swing. Uh, I love the energy he plays with, his athleticism. Um, he plays a good shortstop. And I had scouts tell me in the fall that he looked better at short than, than Kenny DeKroger. So um, I, I suspect you'll probably still see DeKroger there, but don't be shocked if, if Lonnie – if they end up switching positions in the middle infield. There's a lot of talent there for the uh, for Mitt Romney's old roommate to, to work with, and uh, Mark Marquis, who indeed was the freshman year roommate of uh, former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney uh, when Mitt Romney was at Stanford for a year. Um, so Mark Marquis has a lot to work with there, and I think you pointed out, you know, Stanford Marquis has been there a long time, but it's also been 24 seasons, 23 seasons, I guess, since their last national championship when they went yeah. back to back in '87 and '88. So, uh, you know, Stanford, you know, Mike Messina is not even in the major leagues anymore. I'm, I'm not sure who the top Stanford pitcher in the big leagues would be right now, Jeremy Guthrie. But you know, they have they they have been to Omaha. I guess it's uh, five times since 1999. Six, Not, six times. Was it six times. Six was it times? Five years in a row. I guess it was five years in a row. And then again in, in yeah. uh, 07 or 08. Yeah, so I think they went in 95, 97, and then 99 through 2003, and then again 2008. So there have been, been a lot of Omaha trips since that championship, um, but, no, but no championships for Stanford. Uh, the championship has resided in the Southeastern Conference the last three years. In the last two years, its home has been Columbia, South Carolina, home of the Gamecocks and Ray Tanner. Um, this is going to be a different club. If 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 uh, South Carolina win three peats to become the first team since Southern Cal to three peat, Aaron, it's going to be a different cast of characters. The the guys who are there that people know are Michael Roth, Christian Walker, uh, Adam Matthews to a lesser extent. Matt people Price know. certainly. Matt Price, everybody knows. Uh, who let, let's focus a little bit on the new faces at uh, South Carolina because this is a pretty exciting freshman class especially with three guys who look like they're going to start every day, Grayson Griner behind the plate, Joey Pancake at shortstop, and Tanner English in center field. Yeah, and I don't think English is a, is a lock to start in center field. I wouldn't be surprised. He's getting pushed, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's got a battle for a spot because they've got Evan Marzilli who can play center very well. He's a very good defensive center fielder. Um, and they've got Jake Williams as a, as a veteran guy that could play the outfield. Um, Obviously came up big in the College Series finals last year. Right. <laughs> no outfield assists all year and then throws out a guy yeah, at the plate. that's right. That's right. Good memory. But uh, That's all I got here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's, so, yeah, I, I think that English can be a dynamic player, and I, and I think he will be, and I think it's going to be hard for them to keep him out of the lineup. But, you know, he's got some polishing to do offensively. Right. Um, and, and Pancake, this is, this is the whole key for South Carolina. They've got new guys up the middle at every position, yep. unless they have Marzilli in center. Um, you know, they, you know, we always talk about being strong up the middle, and I think this is South Carolina. If you talk to their coaching staff, this is their concern about this team. I mean, they, you know, I think they, they expect to be good. Right, but um, last year they had veterans back there behind the plate in Beery yeah. and Thomas, correct? That's right, and they had, you know. Peter Mooney was, he wasn't automatic at shortstop like they thought he would be, but he was very dependable at shortstop. Scott Wingo was my preseason All-SEC second baseman, and he yeah. lived up to it. Yes, he did. That guy had a great senior season. It was just so dependable for them right. for several years defensively, and he grew into it offensively. We all saw again in the in the right. finals how clutch his defense was. He was such and a it, leader. And JBJ, I mean, Jackie Bradley Jr. was you know, a defining player for them for the last two years in many ways. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's again, that's a very significant question. 
uh, is how well these new guys work into that mix. And, and, you know, I think they're very excited about Grayson Griner. I mean, every time I talk to one of the coaches down there, that's one of the first guys they bring up. It sounds like they should be, because offensively, he has some real potential, it sounds he, like. He, he's, I hadn't seen him before. I was down there last week, and, uh, you know, he, he's an impressive-looking f- kid physically, and, and he's, you can tell he's strong. Um, you know, I think he's going to hit for power pretty early on, and, and um, you know, and they're and they're pleased with his development behind the plate, and and they also have Dante Rosenberg back there, who's a veteran guy that I think can handle a staff and catch and throw, which is which is a nice nice luxury to have. South Carolina has a long history, uh, and Ray Tanner has a long history of offensive minded catchers. Like they had a JUCO guy back there in the the turn of the century named Brandon Pack, who had a huge year. Obviously, Landon Powell, Justin Dallas, Justin, D- Justin Dallas was a good, was a good guy. Phil Disher was an offensive catcher, so they do have a long history of those kind of guys. I think Ray Tanner ascribes to the New York Yankees philosophy, uh, which is if you hit and if you can just catch the ball and you aren't going back to the backstop every five seconds, you're you're going to be just fine because so much right. of stopping the running game is your pitchers and. If you don't get on base against Michael Roth, you can't exploit him in the running game anyway. And I think back to the the big defense feature we did in last year's college preview, and I I believe I remember Ray saying that, um, you know, throwing guys out is not what he's looking for from his catcher. You know, I mean, you want to control the running game as much as you can, but you know, it, it it's it's not you know, there's only so many occasions over the course of a game where that really comes into play. Um, so I I think that. Uh, um, you know, and Grainer has arm strength too. Right. I mean, yeah, we're not, not saying not that he's say a, that, we're not but, saying he's Jesus Montero. Right. Right. But we are saying that he's an offensive minded catcher, and it looks like they could use the offense, and they have a chance to be pretty offensive. I still think significantly. Yeah, Aaron, I agree. And to me, the sleeper for them also is Adam Matthews. He was an athletic senior, and they're, I mean, his tools wise, he compares quite favorably to Jackie Bradley in terms of he's a little more physical. He probably runs better. He's yeah. Faster. I mean. He, he has a chance to me to have a real breakout senior season if he can stay good. healthy. It's a great call. I mean, you know, you saw the jump that uh, that Scott Wingo made as a senior, and really over the course of his career, I expect you'll see that from Adam Matthews as a senior too. I think he'll be really good. And then, you know, in the middle infield, we talked about you mentioned Joey Pancake as a really key guy for them, a Love freshman at shortstop. Uh, he's, I think, he's he's more of an offensive player, uh, but he does he throws very very well. I mean, this is a guy that's. 95 off the mound. Um, the thing that the way Joey Pancake fits the best to me, just talking to scouts about him last year for the draft, the way he fits the Gamecocks the best is this guy thinks he's the cock of the walk. He is a very confident player, and he has that absolutely. He has that confidence we talked about with South Carolina that is unique, and that they have really an endearing confidence. There's not, it's not swagger because right. to me, swagger is a little off-putting. I'm a little tired of swagger myself, but they are good. They know it, and they know they don't have to tell you about it. Whether it's in their, they just let their actions speak for themselves, and they play with such confidence, and they really don't. Pl- they have no idea of how to play not to lose. They play to win, and they know how to make winning plays. It's really it you, feels it's hard to put into words. It feels to me, you know, and, and obviously I have a I'm approaching this from a certain perspective, but they feel more like the New England Patriots kind of quiet confidence yeah. than the Baltimore Rav- Ravens swaggering around in your face. They 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 are definitely more uh they're a little bit more Vince Wolfork than Ray Lewis. That's put it. it that way. That's so it. uh to put it in a, in the football terms. And the guys who embody that the most to me are Roth and Price. And those guys walk on the mound expecting to win. And Price is like the oldest 23-year-old junior ever. Did this guy go on like a LDS mission or something? I mean, he is such an old-looking dude. But that's the other last question with South Carolina. Me is how long, how successful can he be in that conversion to starting? And if they have any trouble in the bullpen, are they going to revert back? I, my my feel is 
that guy's going to start most of the regular season, and then when he gets to the postseason moment of truth, Matthew Price out of the bullpen. I was I was asking Coach Tanner about this last week, and uh, I said, you know, all right, so be honest with me. When do you think we're going to see Price in the bullpen? He said, well, ask me. It might be first weekend. You know, I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, you just – they want to give the kid a chance to start because he's meant so much to this program, you know, and, and he wants to start. Yep. And so they want to give him a chance to do it because they, they feel like, hey, we owe him that much. Um, and, you know, one thing we've never seen from Price – um, in, a, in a relief role is the changeup because he hasn't needed it. He's been so dominant with the fastball and the hard breaking ball. But right. We've seen everything else. We've seen one inning saves. We've seen 96. We've seen 91. We've seen 90 pitches. We've seen one three quick right. outs. We've seen everything in between with that guy. And he's got a changeup is the yeah. thing that people don't realize. He's got a good changeup. I think he could be fine, I mean, better than fine in, in the rotation. And certainly if they need him in the bullpen, yeah, that's an option. But I, I think, you know, when they brought in Forrest Kumis, he was a guy that they kind of envisioned as their closer of the right, future. Right, um, And, you know, the future is now for that. I mean, I think I think he can be very good back there. He was he as was good as a starter, but I think he's even he, – he, he fits even better to me as a reliever, a guy that can just come right at you. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's got the same kind of uh, mound demeanor, you know, the nasty streak a little oh, bit. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and it's a, it's a quick arm, and, and I think it's going to be a resilient arm. I think he's going to be great back there. And they've got a ton of depth. They still have Colby Holmes, a guy we even mentioned. He gets lost in the shuffle. Very solid Cowboys Nice, pitcher. nice Sunday I think starter. A nice, I think a nice prospect as yeah. well. I think Colby Holmes has, has a shot. Um, yeah, Forrest Kumas, to me, is going to be dynamite uh, in, in the bullpen. So uh, we're 20-some minutes into this podcast, and we talked about three teams. Might have to pick up the pace teams. a little bit, huh? So we're going to pick up the pace. But those three teams are fascinating to me, Aaron. They're, they're, they're separate. To me, they're a grade above everybody else. Florida yeah. is a grade above everyone else. Stanford is the closest analog to Florida in terms of raw talent. And then South Carolina is in a class of its own because they're the two-time defending national champions. I'm, I'm not trying to lump the rest of the field. I'm not saying there's a cliff here, but I do think those three teams deserve separate consideration. Let's talk a little bit about the rest of the SEC because one thing that stands out to me about these six SEC teams in the top 11, and there are four we haven't talked about yet, is a couple more in the SEC West. And that was a week part of the SEC last year, and you had Ole Miss and LSU miss out. Well, LSU missed out on regionals. Did Ole Miss miss out? No, they went they, to regionals. They both, they both missed they out. They both missed out, okay. But you had Mississippi State rally late and get to a super regional and put a scare into Florida. But, you know, Auburn was down last year. The, the SEC West in general was down. This year, I don't think that's going to be the case. We have both, mm-hmm. both Arkansas and LSU in our top eight. And uh, let's talk about those two teams, uh, kind of lump them together. What gives Arkansas the edge, and what makes LSU potentially so much better this year than they than they wound up being last year? Well, I think Arkansas is more balanced than LSU. I think that uh, they have more offensive firepower. I think that's a big separator. Um, you know, you look at LSU, and it's a team that hit what 19 home runs or something last right. year. Right, and Mikey Matuk hit most of them. Right, and and you know he's gone, and um, I think that uh, I like LSU. Some of their veteran guys. I mean, I think you know it's nice to have a Austin Nola and yeah. a Tyler Hanover, and you know there's a couple of nice, experienced pieces there. But they're not going to hit for a lot of power, and uh, you know, and and it, it's another thing. I was talking with with Palmineri and, and the coaches' convention about his team, and it's one of those things that when you break it down, you know, and and uh, you know, the speed. They're not particularly fast. They're not particularly powerful. You know, the hitting. They don't. They don't have gaudy batting averages coming back. Right. But, you know, it's one of those teams that when you put it all together, the sum is greater than the parts. It's one of those kind of teams. And, they really and, don't have a black hole offense. But they don't have. They don't really have a spot in the lineup, Aaron, where a pitcher can say, oh, that's an out. I'm going to go get an out, you know, right there. They seem like they have a lot of solid college bats. Yeah. 
but where they their separator to me is on the mound. Absolutely. But both these teams stand out for me for their power stuff on the mound. I mean, yeah. I know we're in a, a pitching and defense era in college baseball, but uh, the pitching on these two clubs is pretty significant. Yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, you talk about LSU with – you know, Kevin Gossman and Ryan East, a couple of guys who are going to throw mid-90s on you. And then you got a Kurt McCune, who I think is, again, you're talking about a very, um, you know, polished, strike-throwing Sunday guy, a nice right. Sunday starter. Uh, you know, certainly in the Colby gives you a different mode. Look. Colby Holmes is Holmes better, mode. but yeah. in that same mold. Yep. Um, and then at Arkansas, you know, D.J. Baxendale, who uh, had a strong case, I think, last year as SEC Pitcher of the Year. He had a great in a season. loaded SEC, but he was he was phenomenal. He beat a he beat most of the top guys in the league too. I mean he uh, he was the Tommy Honshell of the Southeastern Conference. That's pretty good. All right, <laughs> um, Ryan Stanick, you can expect to take a big step forward, and he started to show it last year at the end of the year. He got off to a little bit of a slow start to freshman year. Um, you know, wasn't completely... a lot of expectations on that guy. Yeah, and you know what? He he wasn't. Uh, I think he was dealing with an illness. That kind of thing slowed him down for a while. They even thought he might have had mono. He didn't have mono, but that slowed him down. And and um, by the end of the year, I mean, see, you, I saw him in, in Hoover at the right. SEC tournament, and his best start of the year, uh, he looked good. I mean, he was, you know, that's what we were waiting to see. Right. Carried it over into the summer. This guy's got electric stuff. You know, I mean, we're talking some of the, maybe the, the best pure stuff in college baseball. You can make that argument. I mean, maybe not better than Appel, but it's it, in the same discussion. To me, the three guys who have the best stuff are Stanick, Gossman, and Appel. I mean, Gossman. Maybe probably... Marcus Stroman I'll throw in there, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we shouldn't forget about Marcus Stroman. But among these top ten teams, yeah. Duke, uh, not there. Um, but, yeah, we're talking about three of the top eight teams in the country. And the three of the reasons that they are just the live arms. And like you said, you saw Stanick at his best in the SEC tournament. I like a guy who shows that kind of development over his freshman year. Uh, uh, has some stumbles, has some adversity, overcomes it, and, and it allows his talent to shine when his team needs it the most and when yeah. the most pressure is on. To me, the the separator in these two clubs, I think they're very similar clubs. Arkansas has a couple of guys I think can really make a step forward offensively in yeah. Ficacello and Matt Reynolds. I like Matt Bingo. Reynolds. Um, he didn't hit last year. I just like them as a player, though, seeing with Team USA, the college national team last summer. Yeah. There's a lot there. You, you're not alone on that, John. There's a lot of scouts who were very intrigued by Reynolds. I think people expect him to have a big year, and the coaches do too. There's, there's. I think he's athletic enough to probably play shortstop. Absolutely. But as a third baseman, he's a dynamic defender. Right. And in today's college game, you kind of need a dynamic, a- a- agile defender at third base. And I, I think there's more there in the bat. And we talk about the value of having an experienced infield, especially now yeah. where every out is so valuable. That's right. You know, the teams that don't throw the ball away. Um, I think have a big advantage. And, and steady seniors. And, and you're talking about Tim Carver, a, what, a fifth-year senior now, yeah. I think, at shortstop. Bo Bigham, senior at second baseman, who I think is a really good player. Bo Bigham's like an eighth-year senior, yeah. it feels like. <laughs> I mean, you know, that guy seems like he's been at Arkansas for a while. So. And then Ficacello is an outstanding defender at first base. I mean, I love this team's athleticism. Uh, even the outfield, I mean, Anderson and Morris, you know, those guys yeah. really run. Matt Vinson, he's got arm strength. I mean, they've got athletes all over. I think they've got power. Um, I think they didn't hit for – for average last year at all. They're going to hit for much better average this year. They're going to hit for more power. And and the other X factor, if you're comparing them against LSU, is I like Arkansas better in the bullpen with Nolan Sandburn, who Great is point. just a dynamic you know, closer back there. This is you talk about off power a great arms. Summer too. Yeah, come off a great summer. Another mid '90s guy with a ridiculous breaking ball. LSU doesn't have an answer for that. They don't. Let's wrap up our SEC uh, theme to the top of this uh, poll with uh, teams 10 and 11: Vanderbilt and Georgia. Um, first, let's talk real briefly about the Bulldogs because I just think I, I just want to throw this out there. I'm really fascinated to see what a Georgia Bulldogs team will do when they don't have to respond to this awful 
off-field tragedies they've had the last couple weeks. I guess one yeah. was off the field and one was on. But 2010, they had to deal with the chance of easy and right. his injury in the fall. Last year, the on-field incident with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, no team uh, should go through one of those, but they had to go through it back-to-back seasons. And I, I, it's, You really can't judge their program the last two years in terms of on-field results when you put it in that mix, but you can judge the fact that they didn't fall apart. Last year's a team they rallied. I think it's actually a, one of the best signs of Dave Perno as a coach. Absolutely. Is that they've gone through all this turmoil in, the, in these two things, and they haven't had it easy on the field either. And he has a lot. They, they don't have mass transfers. They haven't had a lot of mass of guys jettisoning to go to ju, Juco ball. He's kept the, mo, most of those guys together, and a lot of those individual players got better. I think Michael Palazone is one of those guys. So they, I kind of like Georgia. I like the aggressive ranking of Georgia because yeah. – I believe in these players Me because too. they've been through so much. Completely agree, John. And you know what? This team, they, you know, they had a, a very challenging schedule early on last year. Yeah, that's another great point. They um, did. And you know, they, uh, it, it was, it was, it kind of put them behind the eight ball with the with the Jonathan Taylor thing and with the schedule early on. Uh, so their overall record was not gaudy. Um, and then you know they had to, they had to win I think three games in the SEC tournament in order to. Uh, uh, if I recall, in order to, to I think be you're right. eligible for the postseason. They had to rally late to be eligible for, eligible for the postseason. And, again, they, they were at their best when they needed it. And, and you know, that was it – was, it was, those were tough teams they were playing. I mean, I – it was. I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, but I mean, I'm pretty sure they played. Like well, they were Florida. in the SEC East. Yeah. they were playing the the Giants. They were playing the big boys. It was like playing in the American League East. Right. So I mean, you know, the, the, look, Colby May is a guy that I think is interesting to point out because he's a guy who, who took the VZ thing and the Taylor thing very hard, you know, and he kind of went into a tailspin. Um, and uh, you know, he's from what I've I've heard, he's he's back now and 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 more confident and you know they're going to kind of be careful with him they're going to protect him a little bit and build his confidence back up but he had a great fall for them and and he was a very good player as a freshman um he's a good athlete uh, he can play either corner spot they like him at first base right now he's got power um you know that that's a guy that i think you, you can expect to have a, a, a big step forward kind of a year and they they, they hope Peter Verdon does that as well. That's another key guy for them. I feel like a athletically, you know, a guy who can really make the whole offense go if he's locked in. Um, you know, he, this guy runs like a six-three. I mean, he's he's really really fast and uh, he can do it all. Uh, he needs to put it together. Now's the time. Hunter Cole, the freshman they brought in, that I think right. you can you can expect to hear his name a lot over the next three years. It's a guy they they have high expectations for. It was it, last year was in, it was in uh, Hoover. You saw him beat South Carolina and Florida back-to-back, 4-2 okay, and 4-3. Right. Those were the games they had to win uh, to get in. And, of course, they, they they finished second in the Oregon State Regional. Don't forget, they you know right. went out to Corvallis and it was a very competitive, two. very competitive games against Oregon State, too. Yeah, they did. Uh, and they lost to Creighton 2-1 to Ty Block, I believe, who's a you know going to be a, a good draft this year. So, so, yeah, Georgia went through a lot, and they came out better for it. Vanderbilt obviously had the best season in Vanderbilt baseball history. They finally busted down that door. Uh, they did not win the national championship, but they were, what, I think third or fourth in our final poll. But they lost a lot, Aaron, but this is really going to be a season of let's see some of those young arms really step forward. No other team in the country has a number one uh, a, a first-round pick stepping into the rotation like they do. The, you know, Carson Whitson, meet, meet Tyler Beatty. I do think Carson Whitson is more equipped to step right in uh, as a weekend guy. A little bit more is needed from Tyler Beatty because there's a lot of change on this Vanderbilt yeah. club. You're absolutely right. That's a good way to put it. I mean, Florida 
Peck, they didn't even really need to have Whitson in the rotation last right. year. He didn't want he, to. He elbowed his way in ahead of DiScofani and, and Peneliotis. That's right, the future starter for your Greek World Baseball Classic That's right. He won't return my email. Alex, if you're listening <laughs> to this, get back to me, John Manuel, BaseballAmerica.com. We need you on the Greek team. I've already got a replacement for you, Johns Hopkins. Alex Eliopoulos is ready to pick up that ball. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> I digress. Uh, but he, had, he said Carson Woodson really elbowed some people aside who right. had some significant talent and track record. Tyler Beatty's doing that to a lesser extent. He's elbowing aside some pretty good arms, but they need him at Vanderbilt. Yes, they do. I think they, they, need, they need him to come in and be, you know, like Woodson was last year, like Matt Perk was the year before that at TCU. Yeah, good I point. mean, you know, he's, and he's got that kind of ability. Um, three years in a row, we've had an unsigned first-round pick in college baseball. Not, I can get used to that. Three or four with Cole. Oh, yeah, it is four. Garrett Cole, Matt Perk, Carson Whitson. Wow, Tyler Beatty's got a lot to live up to. Those guys have all been, you know, had really good careers. I mean, Yeah, they did. Whitson's not certainly not, not finished with his yet. But, um, yeah, it's, 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 there's going to be a lot of expectations on him. Um, but, you know, this guy is, he is, like those other guys we've talked about, it's power stuff. Yeah. And it's and it's command. We didn't even mention Dylan Covey as another one. Oh yeah, <laughs> I but kind of uh, forgot about. Well, he's in a little bit of a different case yeah, with the yeah, diabetes yeah, diagnosis. Right. He gets a pass on last year. So anyway, um, I think potentially this team to me is so intriguing because it's it's a it's a high risk high reward kind of team. I think there's a ton of upside, um, you know. But it all depends on how the pitching comes together. I mean, I think the I think the the lineup is really good. I think they're going to score a lot of runs. They're going to be dynamic even without Westlake and, and Esposito. I mean, I love the. You know, the the Tony Kemp, of course, as we all know, is a we spark plug atop the lineup. Yeah, the, the best player in college baseball that you can look down at. That's right. Uh, Riley Reynolds, you know, and, and great bat handler. I mean, a guy that does a lot for you, winning player, veteran. Um, Mike Yastrzemski is a really good player. I think Connor Harrell is going to have a good year as an athletic guy. They really, they have, I know they lost Aaron Westlake and Kirk Casale, who are a couple of older veteran power guys, but they have significant power potential, yes, even with the bats. Yes, they do. To me, the breakout guy for them is Conrad Gregor. Completely agree. name I love to say, he, obviously. He is. He, that guy was born to hit. He's a big physical guy. He's going to hit a lot more home runs. Uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to be one of those guys who, who hits for power and average. He's a tough out, too. He's got, he's got a patient approach. Let's face it. Uh, one thing that's hanging over this whole conversation and hanging over the whole college baseball season that we need to address is the bats, Aaron. I, I, is it fair to say that, uh, to just to sum up, we've gone over so many issues with the bats. Let's sum on, summarize real quick. We expect the bats to perform better this year. We expect college baseball to be more offensive as yeah. the players are more used to the bats and as the manufacturers are more used to making manufacturing bats to these specifications. Yes. Is that correct? Uh, reports from across the country indicate that people hit from a lot more power this fall than they did last fall. Um, so, yes, I, I think you will see – uh, it's not going to be a return to what it was two years ago, obviously. But, uh, you know, I don't think you'll have teams hitting 12 home runs as a team anymore. <laughs> unless it's Texas. Unless it's Texas. <laughs> but let's put it this way. Like Tyler Hanover is a player we mentioned in the top ten. That's a five seven guy uh, at uh, LSU who's a good hitter. But he was a guy who with the old bats, you would have expected that guy to hit 15 home runs a year with the old bats. With these bats, I think he's going to be lucky if he hits eight. But that's as it should be. But I think it's more realistic that he hits eight this year than the zero, one, or two that he hit last year. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good way to put it. Yeah, and, and um, he's a microcosm guy to me. The small Keith Worman is another guy that comes to mind. I mean, that's not yeah. a guy who's ever going to hit for power, but the bats really killed him last year. I mean, his average plummeted. He just 
wasn't strong enough to hit it through the infield. That's really, it. That's it. Um, you know, maybe this year if he's gotten stronger and if he's if the bats are a little better, maybe you know he can he can get back to hitting some more line drives over the uh, over the infield. I think uh, I, I, that's about as much as I want to say about the bats. Yeah. We, the, the less we talk about the bats, the better for college but baseball. One more thought on Vanderbilt before we move on. I mean, um, getting back to the the upside here. Because they at, have upside. You're looking at the rotation with, with Kevin Zomek, Tyler Beattie, and Sam Selman. I mean, my goodness. These these guys, if, if they all come together, they could all be first-round picks. Those are three really live arms. Two of them are from the left side. Sam Selman's a guy we've been talking to scouts about for three years since he was in high school. And when he got to Vanderbilt, he was the pick-to-click for several scouts. Like, watch that guy in a couple yeah, of years. Yeah. And it's been hard to get playing time, or mound time at Vanderbilt because it had such depth last year. And, and he, just wasn't, he just wasn't throwing enough strikes. And that's it. He didn't throw enough strikes to get that mound time. It wasn't like it was unfair. <laughs> he just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Mark Lamb was better. Corey Williams was better. Obviously, Sonny Gray was better. Grayson Garvin, SEC Pitcher of the Year, was better. They had, they had plenty of other options of guys who could throw strikes with quality stuff if Sam Selman didn't. But he seems like the guy who had, who had a good fall for yeah. them. So maybe he's ready to make that, that next step. And getting Will Kleinard back for another year was crucial for them because you know he's a he's a guy that gives you some experience to anchor the bullpen. They've got a lot of very talented young arms. They needed that that one veteran out there. There does seem like there's a pretty decent gap in the rest of the SEC. Only one other SEC team in our top 25. That's Ole Miss. Um, but Ole Miss, Mississippi State. How many teams do we think the SEC is going to send a regional this year? Nine. Um, that sounds about right. I mean, I, we, we talked about ranking Mississippi State. You know, that's one of the last teams out, maybe the last team out of the right. rankings. Um, we talked – I mean, I, I like Kentucky's team. You know, I think Kentucky could have a pretty good year this year. I suspect they'll be back in regionals. And then we have a new coach at uh, Tennessee and Dave Serrano. I think we don't expect the Vols to be a factor this year. No. But I would be surprised if Dave Serrano did not – have success at Tennessee. He had great success at UC Irvine. He had success at Cal State Fullerton. I think um, it's. I think it's. A it's challenge. I think it's a lot harder at Tennessee than it was at Fullerton, and no which doubt. is a weird thing to say because you know he's got a lot more resources at Tennessee for sure. He's going to have a lot more fans, um, but you know, in Fullerton you can kind of get your Fullerton guys who want to be Titans, and you know there's so many baseball players out there, uh, and now he's he's in the SEC East. Well, you've got Vanderbilt in South Carolina and Florida. Those guys are never going away as That's long right. as those coaches are there. And let's face it, Tennessee Athletics, they really want some good news. They've had the tragedy with Pat Summit. Uh, you know, they had the scandal in their men's basketball program. You know, the football program is not what it once was. Uh, those fans are thirsting for a winner. So if Dave Serrano has any success there, um, those fans will respond because they really could use uh, they could really use it. We've got uh, a couple questions on the on the Twitter machine. Um, Dustin Madison uh, asks Aaron, how do you see Missouri fitting into the dynamics of Southeastern Conference baseball? This is a good transition because uh, we've got a lot of conference movement, obviously not necessarily in 2012 for college baseball, but uh, Missouri long-term, I mean, this is a team that made seven straight regional appearances in the Big 12. How much harder is it going to be for Texas A&M and Missouri when they get into the SEC? It'll be harder. I mean, yeah, the, SEC is, the SEC is more, is more complete than the Big 12, and I like the Big 12. I don't think it – you know, I don't think it necessarily gets its due sometimes as a baseball conference, but um, you know, the SEC is a different beast, and and I do I do think Missouri though. I mean, look, this is a good program, a program that sometimes flies under the radar, but right. they went to I think seven straight regionals. Yeah, and they've uh, got some big league alumni who've done pretty well for themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, Max Scherzer and, and Aaron Crow got the Aaron big Crow, last and year. I think Kyle Gibson can get there, and um, you know, it, it's it, yes, it's it's. I like I really like the Missouri program and I, I think that they do a great job there. Um they usually 
are able to get you know occasionally for every, every year or two it seems they're able to get a, a blue chip recruit yep um, and they and they develop I think they develop talent very well they do I think their track record on the pitching side developing talent is, is quite good but I kind of I kind of lump them in with you know like a Kentucky where they're a little bit weather disadvantaged compared to the rest of the SEC um, they don't have comparison they don't have maybe the tradition or, or you know the rabid fan support of, of the LSU's and the Arkansas's right. and South Carolina's. Um, so, you know, it's going to be harder. I mean, and Kentucky has had some years where they've, they've been pretty good and they've, uh, they've been in regionals, but unfortunately I, I think that's probably, I don't want to say the ceiling for Missouri, but you know, maybe they can be a little bit above that's, that. That's but the realistic ceiling. That's the realistic ceiling. To put it in baseball America prospect hand terms, it's the baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Let's transition real quick, Aaron, into the big 12. And we did talk a lot of sec and, you know what, that's going to be the bulk of the podcast because that's just the reality of the situation. The, the SEC is the big dog in uh, college baseball. Um, who are your biggest surprises that you would say maybe in the top 15? Who's the team that you think fans might be the most surprised is that high? Would it be Arizona? Probably Arizona. I mean, that's a team that uh, you know we're, we're pretty aggressive on. I, I really like their team. I mean, you know. I like their team, too. I, that was my first when I was editing the capsules. That was the first team where I was like, are they too high? Let's really – I really want to bear down on Arizona, but they have a proven Friday guy. They have really intriguing talent in the rest of their rotation. Yes. One of their bigger question marks is their bullpen, but Andy Lopez, as you wrote about, has a very nice history, whether it's guys like Corey Burns, whether it's big arms like Daniel Schlereth, uh, big arms, f- finesse guys. He has a nice long history going back to Pepperdine, yeah. Florida. Yep. Uh, and now at Arizona, this guy knows how he to believes, build a bullpen. He believes in the bullpen, yeah, and it's he, a, like he, Jim Morris. Exactly. I was going to say, he doesn't get the love from me like Jim Morris does. Uh, you know, we built great bullpens here at the University of Miami. But uh, the, the, i got to go change a diaper. But, uh, <laughs> but, but Andy Lopez uh, has that same tradition at, uh, wherever he's coached. And the other difference with Arizona is that they are moving into this new ballpark, and right. it's more, they're more likely to host, Aaron, and they haven't been yeah. to – and they got to Omaha the hard way in 2004, and they had their last great team in 2008. They went on the road and won a regional, but it was just too hard to win on the road two weekends in a row. They lost a super against a great Miami team. And, and that's the best team they've had since then. And that Arizona team, by the way, had, that a, was had a big league bullpen with, <laughs> with, with Daniel Schlereth, Ryan Perry, and Jason Stoffel. Yeah. I mean, is their big three back there. That's – Absurd. Jason Stoffel was the worst of those three guys. and He, he might have been good. the best in college. <laughs> he was probably the best in college. And the other two guys were in the big leagues, and he's not. But uh, Arizona, the, the thing that really stands out for them is their athleticism. Yes. And they are, they are I think, very well suited to play in, in college baseball's common era. Absolutely. I mean, this team, athleticism, that's the word for it. They've got a lot of speed. I think they've got great defenders. I think that a guy like Alex Mejia, uh, a lot of people maybe don't know about as much as they should. He's a really good player at shortstop. I mean, this is a guy that uh, makes highlight real plays, um, but he's also very steady and he's a real leader for them. Um, you know, he's a, he's a great player that's a little under the radar because physically, you know, he he doesn't really run. He's not a big power guy. The scouts don't love him, but uh, the more you watch him, the more you like him. Uh, I think he kind of is is the heart and soul of this team. Him and Robert Refsnyder, who I think is just uh, a fantastic player that uh, you know can really hit. He's got, you know, people in the Cape told me last year he had one of the best swings in the league. Um, he's gotten stronger. He's not a real big guy physically, but I think right. he's going to hit for some power. Um, I've know. always been a Joey Rickard guy, too. Out of, Joey Rickard. Out of the Vegas area, high school-wise. Yeah. Uh, really always runs. been a Rickard guy, exactly. Athletic, runs, very well suited for the move to high Corbett Field. I mean, they played in an old 
their old ballpark, uh, Packer, uh, Sunset Field at uh, Packer, no, that Packers, Arizona State. What was it, Jerry Kendall uh, Field at Sunset Stadium or something like that? I mean, it had multiple names. Right. That was a big yard, too. But uh, High Corbett Field, a, a very large ballpark. And I think and their plan is to move the fences in, uh, but it won't be this year, so it's going to play big. But you've all seen High Corbett Field. If you listen to this podcast, you've seen Major League. So High Corbett Field was where the Indians had spring training in Major League. That's so right. uh, we'll, we're looking forward to Andy Lopez rolling up to the first game of the season in the tricked-out uh, bug with the Rolls-Royce nice. front like uh, Willie Mays Hayes nice. did. As the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron uh, Aaron, let's stick out west, out west real quick. Easy for me to say. UCLA from the Pac-10 is in our uh, top 25 down at 14. Uh, we've also got uh, Oregon State. The O-State ball is down there at 23. How's the Pac-12 shape? Arizona I'm State as well, but they're not postseason eligible. I forgot about Arizona State. They're at 17. I'm obviously uh, still using the same Pac-10, but... How's the Pac-12 shake up? Uh, it would shape up. We don't have Oregon in this year's yeah. rankings. I don't see Cal from last year's College World Series. Last year's one of their biggest stories. If it weren't for the bats, Cal would have been the biggest story in college baseball last year with going from death's door to, to Omaha. Yeah, yeah. And you have a new coaching change at Southern California uh, with a Frank Cruz made the, the full-time head coach, but uh, changing his staff. How's the rest of the Pac-12 shape up? I think the Pac-12 is going to be very competitive. Plus, we have Utah in the league this year. Correct? Utah, that's right. It's another addition. I Minus C.J. Crone, unfortunately. But but they've you know they've got some arms. I think they're going to be pretty competitive. But it's it's hard going to be hard for them to make much of a splash. I think in their first year in the league because I do think that the league is probably you know eight or nine teams deep uh, as far as really good teams. I mean, Washington State is going to be very offensive. Plus, I didn't even mention U-Dub and Wazoo, which was uh, my mistake. Washington State is a team that um, you know has to replace his whole weekend rotation, so that's a major question on the mound. But boy, I think they're going to score a lot of runs. I think they're going to be dangerous on offense. I think uh, Oregon, you know, should be better than they were last. Last year was disappointing for them. They still have some arms. They still have they some athletes. Finish well. They got going, but it was just too late. Yeah. Um, but you know, the teams in the top twenty-five. We talked about Stanford and Arizona. I think UCLA. Uh, again, the team is going to be a lot better offensively. I mean, all those guys are veterans now for the most part. Um, you know, the Kiefer, Jelich, Amaral guys in the outfield are, are going to be are good players, and they're going to be better because I think the bats are the bats really hurt them last year. I think their bats are better this year. They they had a much better uh, fall offensively. Um, you know, Eric Snyder is a guy that I think is going to be a difference maker as a freshman, and and, and um, you know, and so is. Um, um, the infielder that I'm drawing a blank on his name. Yeah, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know their infield. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit behind on that with my with my UCLA Bruins issue. But Kevin me, Kramer, that's who I'm thinking of. He's going to be the other issue for them is that most teams, like you wrote, miss a Bauer and a Cole, and they just can't come back from that. But that's just not going to be the case with this team. Uh, the big question for them is less how Adam Plutko and uh, Nick Vandertwig and Zach Weiss and how those guys perform in their rotation. I think it's more Scott Griggs at the back of their bullpen because yeah. their bullpen, you know, Vander Twig was okay last year, but he wasn't a natural back there. They missed Dan Klein, uh, that automatic closer like they had in 2010. Uh, Scott Griggs got a great arm. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Scott oh, yeah. Griggs this year. He, he might be the best draft prospect in Southern California on the college side, sad Amazing. as that is to say. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of scrutiny on that guy, and there's going to be a lot of heat, and we'll see how he steps forward in a more pressure for his role on the team and draft pressure. He's kind of in that Sam Selman boat. You know, a guy that came in with a lot of arm strength. Um, he's always had arm strength. He, he was a the top. USS he, Selman. He, like Selman, was a, was a top 200 guy out of high school. Um, and it's taken him two years to, to get the pitchability down. You know, and, and again, they think he took a step forward in the fall. We'll see how it goes. But the other thing that concerns me with UCLA is I don't think it's a, a very 
deep pitching staff with experienced guys. You know, they've got some newcomers that they kind of like, but um, it's not like last year. I think last year's staff was considerably deeper. So that's, you know, losing Bauer and Cole is one thing. But, um, you know, I think losing those two guys makes you have to move Vandertig into the number two role. And, right. and, you know, Weiss goes from the midweek guy to the Sunday guy. I mean, those it's nice to have those guys in auxiliary roles more than right. – you know, now because now you've just got more pressure on the rest of the staff. The big key for me is that Vander Tig's name is Vander Tig, not Van Der Tig, because we had Zach von Tersch, and then who was the other guy at Missouri? Who was a Van? Uh, there was a guy. There was a guy at Baylor, uh, wasn't there? I don't remember. The Vans weren't as good as the Van Der. I think can be. So I think it's very key that uh, the, where the space is and Nick Vander Tig's name. I digress with a bad joke. <laughs> uh, Aaron, uh, w- let's wrap up the podcast with a couple of pitching and defense kind of teams at the back of the top twenty-five. Louisville is a team that really stands out to me there as a team that if their offense makes a step forward, you know, Louisville was the last Big East team to get to the College World Series, correct? What was that, 2007, 2008? Yeah, uh, it's hard to, t- hard to tell what year it was because Chris Dominguez was there for so long. Right. You know, and he was on that team. Um, but Louisville seems like a team that is an Omaha-caliber pitching staff for sure. How are they positioned to uh, you know, step forward offensively? And who are maybe some other sleepers from the northern tier of the country? Well, certainly St. John's is a team that uh, we also consider for the top 25. And probably a lot of people will peg St. John's as the favorite in the Big East. But, um, you know, I like Louisville a little more. I, I think that uh, the bullpen is special. I mean, that's what really excites me about Louisville with Derek Self and Matt Cook and a slew of really talented new guys. You don't usually lose a, to- a Tony Zitch in your bullpen and get better, but they did. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, it, it allowed them to keep Cook back there in the bullpen to give him that one-two punch with Self rather than have to move him into the rotation because they've got Justin Amlung and, and Travis uh, Tingle and, and Jeff Thompson who are all good guys with you know who know how to pitch and, and, and have good stuff. So, I mean, uh, the, the arms are outstanding. Um, the, the lineup needs to get a lot better. And, right. you know... I think it will be better. I don't know if it will be a lot better, but I think it will be good enough that with their arms that they're 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 going to make some noise. They really need Stuart Imes to not hit 250. Yeah. And the guy who, you know, it's just amazing to me having seen Adam Engel last summer in the Coastal Plain League, and he's a physical guy. And to see that he basically had one extra base hit last year, that That's can't amazing. be. They need, <laughs> they need a little bit more offense out of him. Um Aaron, uh, wrapping up. We should talk about the ACC probably at some point. Okay, we, we've got the ACC. I was going to hit on the Big Ten real quick. Just, there, it doesn't seem like there's a Big Ten team that's an Omaha challenger this year, but we do have, I think, an intriguing storyline. A couple of years ago, we had Indiana. We pegged Indiana in 2009. They were going to be good for the first time in a long time. They got to a slow start, and they really rallied big time, won the Big Ten tournament. Right. We saw Minnesota, I guess, that same year. No, that was 2009. We saw Minnesota in 2010 really push – uh, they won the first Fullerton. two games in the Fullerton Regional. Well, we saw Illinois last year eliminate Fullerton, again yeah. go to the Fullerton Re- Regional, point. and Illinois was very competitive. So the, to me, the Big Ten has been better of late. A couple of years before that, we had Michigan go to Vanderbilt, win a regional. They hosted I, the year after that. Correct. So, so, yeah, year in 2008. That. So 2007, they went to Vanderbilt and won the regional. 2008, they hosted. 2009, Indiana was legit. 2010. So we're just seeing that the last five years, the Big Ten baseball, I think, is better. It seems like Purdue – is the preseason Big Ten favorite, and yet Purdue is the Chicago Cubs of college baseball. They have not won the Big Ten since 1907. What does Coach Doug Schreiber – Is it 08? I think it's 07. I think it's longer than the Cubs. Wow. What does Doug Schreiber, uh, their longtime coach, have on hand that gives us this kind of uh, enthusiasm about the Boilermakers? Well, I, I think, uh, first of all, it's, it's star power. You know, it's, it's – um, 
you know, it, which has rarely been said about Purdue right. in baseball. But but Kevin Plawecki behind the plate, I think, is is their is their best guy. I mean, he's a powerful catcher. It's 1909, by the way. It is 09. We're both That's right. So we're both off. Um, you know, Plawecki's got good power. He's he had a nice summer in the Cape. He's a good defender, um, and he's he's a nice physical guy. And he's a leader. Uh, I think Cameron Perkins is, is a third baseman that uh, is going to hit for some power. And is a, is a good player for them. And you got Nick Wickren at the back of the bullpen, a uh, power arm guy that gives you a nice anchor. It's too bad they lost Brad Schreiber to Tommy John surgery. Right. He would have been a key piece for them. I think that makes uh, Angelo Cianfranco <laughs> a little bit more important for them. First of all. If you're a college baseball fan, or if you're a major league baseball fan, and you remember Archie Cianfranco, how would they have said his name at Stade Olympique? I'm putting you on the spot. It was probably pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it was. But first of all, his dad was Archie Cianfranco. Second of all, the guy hit last year. He pitched a little bit down the stretch for them. Uh, he's a pretty interesting, important college baseball player. We've talked about some yeah. other intriguing two-way guys. I'm not saying that he's as good as Stephen Piscotty, but he's kind of going to be – he might play that role for them as far as a, an important bat and an important arm because he goes from being a surplus arm to a, a more prominent role, I think, potentially for them right now. Uh, Purdue. So they, they have experience. They have power. I mean, like Cam Perkins, like you talked about, they're a really intriguing team. They can't host a regional, can they? No, on, on there's no way. I mean, I, I, I don't – I don't even think that's a possibility, but you know, I, they won't be in position to host a regional anyway. I mean, I think I think the Big Ten is is going to be pretty competitive at the top. I mean, I, I still like Michigan State. I think that Michigan uh, State Jake Boss has done a really nice job. We didn't mention them in the last five years because they haven't quite had that breakthrough yet. But that's a, that's a, a team that where their trajectory of the last five six years is consistently yep. better and better. And I think Minnesota with with their especially with their one two punch on the mound, um, you know, with, with Oaks, Oaks and and and, uh, and the left hander. Um, I mean, Minnesota is going to be good. Uh, it's Wendell's the left-hander that I'm okay. thinking of, Tom Wendell. Um, you know, Minnesota is, is, is – I think they're always pretty competitive. They always compete. Um, they're in the mix too. So, and, and Ohio State has some talent. I mean, I think Ohio State's maybe not as complete as those other teams. But um, – and Nebraska's in the league now. You know, it's not oh, yeah. I completely forgot about that, which would be a different factor, I think, if they had Logan Aylers. Uh, a little bit rebuilding there with their new head coach, Darren Erstad. But that is an intriguing uh, storyline as well in the Big yeah. Ten. Let's wrap up talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference, Aaron. Uh, we, I know we glossed a little bit over the Big Ten, Big Twelve. We, I guess we're gonna very quickly because we're close to an hour. ACC and Big Twelve yeah, previews here a little bit. Let's touch on those. Uh, let's touch on those two uh, leagues. The ACC. Uh, we have North Carolina as the top team in that league, and the big stories in the ACC are uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, it's, the, uh, it's the same old story. It's talent. Will it, will it come through? And could this be the return of the U, Aaron? And they, the, the U got the biggest recent news, I suppose, in, in getting Peter O'Brien. It really seems like Peter O'Brien really changes things for them because they, you see some real starting pitching depth at Miami with the return of Erickson. Um, so their pitching seems like it's in pretty good hands. A lot of J.D. Arteaga clones over there. But their offense should be picked up this year with, with Peter O'Brien uh, coming into the mix. Yeah, boy, that was a huge, huge development for Miami. Um, when they when they got O'Brien to transfer in, they they lost the guy that I, we kind of thought was to be their catcher of the future, Shane Rowland. He transferred out. Right. Um, so they needed O'Brien to be eligible, and he gives them that second big bat in the middle with Ronnie Rodriguez. Um, they needed that because this you know this team doesn't have a lot of punch other than that. I mean they've yeah, got they some really were affected by the bats last year. Yes, they were, and, the, and so the, their offensive catalysts last year were really speed guys like Melendrez and, and Zeke DeVos, DeVos, and DeVos signed as an eligible sophomore. So they need. They needed to come up with a new way to generate some offense. It seems like the biggest things for them are going to be, uh, can Steven Perez make that jump right. as, a, as a junior coming out of high school? He was regarded in very similar terms to Devin Marrero. Absolutely. And he's not thought of the same way. So they need him to make that jump. And then uh, 
and then Peter O'Brien, uh, and, and talk a little bit about their pitching staff because it sounds like that's really the strength of their team this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, Eric Erickson coming back as a senior after being just basically out of baseball last year after having his second Tommy John surgery, um, comes back this year and is stronger than ever. I mean, he was better this fall than he, he has been through harder. Um, he's still got the, the same pitch ability. This guy has won a lot of games in Miami. So 88 instead of 82, basically. For right. Erickson. I mean, that's, that's what you're talking about. Um, you know, and then you got Eric Whaley, who's got some, you know, a good power arm on, on potentially on Saturdays if, if they go with Erickson on Friday. And, and then Radzewski, who's another one of those pitch ability left-handers that they've had. I mean, they've, they've had a long line of... He's kind of the next in the Chris Hernandez mold. And I think what um, it also lets them do this added depth in their rotation allows them to put Encinosa in that moment of truth roll in the bullpen. And which where he fits pitched, best, I and think. And that's it. I completely he's – he's actually their power arm where they can deploy him the way they want to. You know there's going to be a submarine guy that's going to come out of the bullpen and is going to contribute in the Jay Tesmer, uh, Luke DeBold uh, mold that the, the, the U has had for years. Uh, so they're going to have – I, I'm confident they're gonna, their bullpen's going to be good with a guy like Encinosa back there, but they really couldn't afford to put him in the bullpen until they had that pitching depth. And even a guy yeah. like Ewing was really solid for them last year, and, and they like. So they have enough pitching depth to, to make the bullpen stronger. I think the ACC is pretty wide open. You know, I don't know that there's a clear favorite. I, I we we peg, peg North Carolina as a slight favorite because, um, partly because I just like their toughness. I like that they have proven themselves now as a program that knows how to win. And and last year, I, we, we both really were surprised. We both were surprised by what they did last no year. Doubt. I mean, they you know they did a lot with you know with a with a good team, but not the talent that they had had during the the. The, the Omaha runs, the four straight Omaha runs. So I think they were surprised by how good Colin Moran was. I don't, I don't think they were surprised by their toughness because yeah. I think Mike Fox right, prided certainly. himself on that. But they were surprised at how offensive they were. They thought the offense was going to come from a Levi Michael and, and a little bit maybe more speed. And they did have you know, four guys who stole double figures and bases last year. And they still still have some spark plugs, although they'll, they'll miss Michael's speed and versatility. They'll miss Ben Bunting being a grinder at the top Absolutely. of their lineup that they, they really trusted. But Chaz Frank is another Ben Bunting. Yep. And to me, the the key for them is uh, their their pitching staff. The two Georgia kids, the two sophomore Georgia kids they have, Ken Emanuel, we all saw last year, his development during the season and then how good he was at Omaha. Andrew Smith was more highly regarded coming out of high school than Emanuel was. And he had a great fall for them. So then you can put Chris Munnelly, Benton Moss. They've got real pitching depth there. And then a, a bullpen that was the real strength for them early last year, gave them the confidence and the breathing room they needed as a team to develop. And that bullpen is still, for the most part, intact. Absolutely. It's going to be another mixing and matching year. I mean, um, you know, Mike Fox made more trips to the bullpen last year probably than uh, than a lot of people um, because he had a great bullpen and he had options from both sides and a lot of different looks. I think you have to give Scott Forbes a lot of that credit, too, oh, as yeah. a pitching coach. Absolutely. This is a guy, for a guy who was never a pitching coach before he came to North Carolina to have his first year as pitching coach be, okay, here's Barton Miller, no pressure, Scout, every scout's watching every single thing you do, and to keep developing the Alex White's, the Adam Warrens, the Matt Harveys, and now Kent Emanuel's development, their pitching staff last year, the way that their bullpen developed last year. This guy's done a great job as a pitching coach. Oh, I mean, absolutely He right. deserves a lot of credit. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from Mike Fox, but uh, Scott has shown that he can all, – all comers, all kinds, lefty, righty. He helps them be better prospects, and he helps North Carolina win. I right. think it's a pretty impressive track record. And then Georgia Tech is the other well, team Georgia that Tech you, you Clemson, hinted at. I think are the other kind of teams that are sure. in this mix. And even Florida State is in the mix. I mean, I I'm, I don't love Florida State's pitching, so I've got them at the bottom of that group. But hey, they're Florida State. They're going to score a lot of runs. They've got, a, I think, a really good lineup coming back. The arms are not there. 
Would not shock me if Florida State pitches better than they look on paper. They usually do. I like, oh, but I, honestly, I, I like the pitching coach change for them. I mean, it's not personal, but Mike Bell is more of a pro approach, and he had success as a college coach at Tennessee as a pitching coach and in Oklahoma. And I think that the Florida State pitching philosophy was geared to the old bats, where everything was sinker, 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 slider. And I think things are going to change with Mike Bell as opposed to their previous approach, and I think is a change that is a change for the better. I think it also shows a little bit about Mike Martin Sr. He's not afraid of change. He's the guy's been there for 30 years. His system works, but he's not afraid to tweak it. And I think I could speak for a lot of fans in college baseball. Maybe not people in Omaha, but a lot of fans in college baseball. Dad Gummit would love to see Mike Martin win the big one. It's not going to happen this year, but I think we'd all. Love to yeah, see that. I, I, agree. I think it's good for college baseball, and Florida State's really good. And you know what? This team won 46 games last year with, yeah. with Sean Gilmartin and and nothing after on that. the mound. I mean, so I mean, you know, now they need they need Scantling and Sites and Ben and Casa, those guys, to be better. So will that happen? We'll find out. Who's the best player on these other teams? Georgia Tech and Georgia and Clemson. Is that Richie Schaefer? Does he give maybe Clemson a little yeah. bit of an age, or has Georgia Tech got a little bit more pitching? It seems it feels like they have a little bit more lineup depth and a little bit more pitching than Clemson has. I like Clemson's rotation better. I think okay. it's uh, you know Georgia Tech's rotation could be very good, like um, but, but has a lot to Buck prove. Farmer. I mean, right? I mean, those guys. You know, Buck Farmer. Is one guy here who I think is proven as a weekend starter for Georgia Tech. Matt Grimes um, is also you know fourth round unsigned guy. So they're, very they're, talented. There's talent there. I think the, I, I think they're a little bit better college pitching staff in Clemson, a little bit better pro potential maybe in in, uh, in Georgia Tech. It's close. Yeah, I think that's a pretty way to put it. I mean, Brady has certainly a lot of pro potential right. if he can stay healthy. Right. Huge if for Clemson. Uh, Dominic Leone and, and Scott Firth have power arms. They're not real big physical guys, but they can bring it. And, and you know, they've probably got a little more – they're a little more proven than Grimes and Isaac. So. The thing I like about Georgia Tech is I think they have a little bit more power potential yes. also than Clemson. I agree. Clemson has a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more questions to answer. I love Richie Schaefer. I really think this guy can really – I love the bat speed. Um, but to me, like Daniel Palka did it as a freshman. He has the now strength to hit for power, uh, as a, even with the new bats. Yes. My biggest question for Georgia Tech, actually, is really not the pitching. It's the defense. Mahad was not up to shortstop last year. They wanted Tyler Gibson badly as a recruit. They didn't get him. He signed with the Tigers. Um, I want to see Mahad make the routine play at shortstop. I'm, I'm pulling the, the Victor Menacal card from 10 years ago. Let's see if Georgia Tech can get enough defense at shortstop. Um, you know, that's a – key for them. And last year, yeah. they had to flip Monheit and Jacob Esch, and uh, we'll see. And the other issue for Georgia Tech is, uh, what will they do when the pressure's on? Three straight years? Three, three straight, straight years. Three regional losses, Aaron. I mean, that's that's brutal, John. Three years brutal. in a row to host a, a regional and, and not win it. That's that's a killer. And they need to get over that hump mentally. And, and Maybe they just should not bid. <laughs> Go on the road and see if it toughens you up. Seriously, huh? But I mean, it's a. It feels like every year we're debating Georgia Tech and Clemson for some reason. I don't know <laughs> it does, why, but it does. I mean, but this year again, I mean, you could see them finishing in either order. I I really like Georgia Tech's team on paper. On paper, I think they've got an Omaha team. Um, we'll see if it all comes together. Talking to Danny Hall a couple weeks ago, he was a little concerned about the pitching. I mean, he's that's the one thing that he's not convinced about yet about his team. So. We'll find out. The one thing I'll give Georgia Tech credit for on the mound is they've taken some undrafted guys and turned them into first-round picks, Jed Bradley and Deck McGuire. Yeah. Two very nice examples of pitching development by uh, Georgia Tech. And also those guys really helped them win at the college level And Mark Pope, I mean, another guy that developed really nicely into a very good college pitcher. Great point. It's the Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. We're running late, but that's okay. Uh, It's internet bandwidth. That's right. And uh, we're going to finish up talking about the Big 12, Aaron. Our top Big 12 team is Texas A&M. We have the Aggies. We have the Longhorns. We have the Sooners in our rankings. 
We have future Big 12 team, uh, TCU, the Horn Frogs, in, in our rankings. But it feels like the Big 12 is A&M. A&M's to lose, I should say. They feel like coming off of you know, Brad Childress and those guys breaking down that door last year, getting them off. Rob the, Childress. Rob Childress, thank you. I don't, Brad Childress is the ex-Vikings uh, coach. Rob Childress breaking down that door last year and, and getting them off for the first time since, what, 1999. They have to core that team back. Really, the, 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 the key thing for them being the best team coming back is Ross Stripling. You get Stripling back as a yeah. senior. You put them in the rotation with Michael Waka. Uh, we know their their offensive philosophy worked with the new bats last year, but their pitching is at that top two uh, is as good of a tandem in terms of experience and stuff and prospecting this as any team has. I mean, it's not the yeah. best, but they're they're going to be competitive with any team in a weekend. Uh, at the Absolutely, top of the I think, and that and that's the the biggest reason I really like A and M. You you hit it on the head, Michael Walker and Ross Stripling. You're going to win two out of three most weekends, and you know they need they need an answer on Sunday. I mean, I think Derek Hadley could be that guy. Um, you know, he's a guy that. Uh, you know, the, again, needs to take a step forward. I mean, he's, he's a he's a uh, a competitive guy that they they kind of think is a, a Clayton Ellert type and a guy who had a really nice career yep. for them. Um, and and Gandy's double field as a freshman could could be an impact guy potentially. Um, you know, the bullpen I think uh, uh, again is has has some a couple of really nice experience pieces. I mean, I like Kyle Martin a lot. Uh, they need Esteban Uriegas to to be better for over a consistent season, uh, and they need some of their young guys to you know Mengden is uh, Daniel Mengden is a freshman that. They are really relying on a two-way guy. Yeah, he's like a the talented most catcher. player in the top ten, really. Yeah, I mean, seriously, ways. he's 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 going to be a, a a critical piece for them. I mean, they've got other options behind the plate. I don't think he's he's not going to catch every day, but he's he's probably their best, most talented catcher. Um, and and he's also you know probably their their most talented reliever. So he, a lot of burden on a freshman. Yeah, we've seen a couple guys do the catcher pitcher thing, Buster Posey and Matt, Matt Weeders. Yeah. But uh, it's not easy. It's rare. And those two guys were pretty special guys. So yep. uh, no pressure, Daniel Megden. Just try to be Buster Posey or Matt Wieters. Right. Um, the rest of that the, the league there, Aaron, we've got a lot of veterans uh, at uh, Oklahoma who kind of disappointed last year. A lot of that same cast. Not all, but a lot of the same cast is back. And a lot of junior college guys mixed in. So the, the Sooners are still a top 25 team, but they're not ranked in, in a top 10 like they were really the last two years. And then Texas, I mean, a team that – Really kind of needs to see some of their younger players step forward, like an Eric Weiss who did in the spring but had a terrible summer with the college national team. And they're really looking for guys like uh, Mark Payton or Cole Walla to deliver on the expectations that were there for them. Those guys really have to not be decent complimentary players. Those guys have to really do it to to, to, to make that pitching staff of Stafford, Milner, and Dishery uh, really work. That's it. I mean, you said it. It, It's, uh, you know, Texas is going to pitch. They've got a ton of arms, ridiculous incoming class of freshmen. Yeah, um, very talented. Gonna, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of those guys. But, um, but, but you know what? Stafford and Milner and Deshari, those guys are good. But it's not Youngman and Cole Green. Um, so you know, I, I I think it's I think they're going to be. I mean, look, they're Texas. Okay. Yeah. They're 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 going to win a ton of games. They're going to pitch and play defense. They're going to have a belief. Each other. <laughs> that's and that's pretty themselves. good. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but uh, the lineup has a lot of questions. You yeah, know? It I mean, and, and, and it feels like it usually does there, and they usually <laughs> are fine. But this team, you know, they don't have Brandon Loy anymore. Th- to me, Brandon Loy is a—he was a rock for that program yes. for three years, and uh, that's going to be tough. Can be t- he's a tough guy. They, to they thought they were going to have C.J. Hinojosa come right. in and be the starting shortstop as an early enrollee freshman, uh, very talented guy, potentially a first-round pick. 
you know, that didn't end up working out. He did not get in early. So now it's Christian Summers. Hey, he was a, a key recruit for them last year. Lanky, you know, rangy guys, got all the physical tools. Um, didn't have a great summer in the Cal Collegiate League. You know, not maybe what, what they hoped that he would do out there to build some confidence. He's 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 got to have a big year, and, and they believe in him. But that's, that's to me, maybe the key to this whole team. That belief, Aaron, can really <laughs> matter a lot. Um, and then you, a terrible Augie, really. And then you mentioned the Sooners. I did. Um, you know, I mean, Bushy it's, head. <laughs> Bushy head. <laughs> Caleb Bushy head is still there. They've got a lot of guys who are still there that were on that, that Omaha team two years ago. Um, Cody that Ryan. Cody Ryan needs to bounce back. Bushy head needs to bounce back. Uh, you know, they need Drew Harrison to finally kind of step forward. He could be a nice two-way piece for them, too. Yep. He's got a good arm off the mound. Um, Max White, another guy that had a bad year last year, really right. good two years ago. He needs to bounce back. They've got some nice veterans. Max White, they could take a little bit off his play, moved him to first base. Yeah. O- offensively, I mean, they need him. Uh, they need him and Ryan to really bounce back. And Jack Mayfield. I mean, they've got That's a bunch a of guys example. that need to bounce back. But they supplemented them with a, a, another strong group of junior college transfers. They're very good at getting, they I think, are. impact JC guys. Um, and we're going to see a lot of competition here, which is what they had last year, right. which I think you know maybe covered some of their warts is because they were able to uh, mix and match with their lineup and get the hottest pieces in there. Um, but, uh, you know, I like them on the mound a lot. I mean, Dylan Overton, I think, is a, is, a lot of power on is, is a Yeah, I mean, and Overton, I think, is one of the more unheralded Friday starters who's, who's very good. I think he's... Uh, you know, he's he's it's good stuff. It's eighty eight ninety two, it's two good secondary pitches, it's it's competitiveness, good left hander. Um Jonathan Gray has a big arm. Can he make the transition to, from from Juco ball to D one as a Saturday guy? Um, you know, that that's sometimes people struggle with that, but he's got a big, big arm. Stephen Okert they love. And they love Damian Magnifico at the back of their Magnifico bullpen. had a Magnifico magnificent right. fall. Right. Uh, I mean this guy was ninety eight to one oh two. With, uh, you know, he didn't even need much secondary stuff, but he made a little right. more progress with that, too. If he throws strikes consistently, boy, I mean, that's that's a nice weapon back there. They've got depth on the mound. I think they got depth all over the place. I think depth is their their biggest strong suit uh, with this team. So I, I think they're a team that will get better over, over the course of the season. You could really use somebody having a JT Wise kind of year for yeah. them, or a Garrett Bouchelle kind yeah. of year. Just the, they just need that one guy to step forward and, and you know, take the flag and kind of lead that, lead that club. We'll wrap chemistry up. is the other thing that's key with them. Is, is Sonny Galloway? Sonny Galloway thinks that this team, his chemistry is, is a lot better than last year's, and he, he, he thinks if you take this team versus last year's team in a series, this team he'll take every time. Hmm. Interesting. Um, let's wrap up since we talked about everyone else basically in the top twenty-five. We didn't really touch on Fullerton, but Central Florida, Cal State Fullerton's in the rankings. I think we've talked a lot about Fullerton over the years. I think that you know the key there is there's a little faith there in the program with a new head coach and Rick Vanderhoek. That's a team that has what two pitchers who've logged Division One time, but it's not surprising even with that on their resume. That team that does have athleticism, that does have a, a re- really intriguing uh, college infield, is in our top twenty-five. That's not a surprise. The Central Florida it is a little bit of a surprise, Aaron, and this is kind of the payoff year for Terry Rooney and that uh, coaching staff that took over three years ago. Uh, Terry Rooney had been at LSU, helped recruit a lot of that bulk of that nine, 2009 national championship team. And now comes to Central Florida, now in his fourth year, I suppose, um, really has the guy that he wants there. And they got Ronnie Richardson back when he was an eligible sophomore. Uh, they have some power. Talk a little bit about what makes the Golden Knights a threat to rise to the top of Conference USA. I think they're pretty balanced. You know, I mean, it, it's like you said, I think you payoff year is a good way to put it. 
they've been building toward this season. I mean, that first class that they brought in was a good class. Um, I want to say it was like a top 12 class. It was a yeah, good class. It was, in your, it was high in the rankings. And, and those guys are juniors now, you know, and you've got, uh, um, you know, Sweeney. Darnell Sweeney at shortstop is a really exciting player. I mean, it's a very athletic guy. Right, and the athleticism is the key for him. And a spark plug offensively. And they, Rich, have it all. they have it with Richardson and Sweeney. That, that's been something that an, an emphasis for Terry yeah. Rooney. And, and they've gotten enough athletes to campus. And their team also like Marlette, but they they have some nice right. freshmen coming in. And and their team also as a coaching staff they believe in building with power bats and power arms. Rooney always says that. And you know, look, they had a bunch of home runs last year. They they're they're offensive every year. Right. Um and and last year they had DJ Hicks and, and Jonathan Griffin. They lost Griffin, they still right. have Hicks. Um and he's a guy that, you know, is a just a nice big physical guy you want in the middle of your lineup. Um, the question with them, I think, will be on the mound a little bit. I mean, um, I like their arms, but uh, you know, it, it's not going to. The staff, I don't think, blows you away, and and it's they need some guys to to be good right away. I mean, Eric Scoglin's a guy that coming in. Right. Scoglin um, and us, the two freshmen coming yes. in, feel like they have a real potential to play an important role. And scouts liked Scoglin last uh, last year in the draft. I remember uh, got some Chris Sale comparisons, and then Gary Nuss had a nice summer, I believe, in the Florida Collegiate Summer League. Uh, where he was the number one prospect. So they, they have some arms. We still think Rice uh, with Wayne Graham uh, the uh, didn't get his dream last year of getting Anthony Rendon to Omaha. Uh, but they have an Omaha-caliber team this year because yeah, yeah. they're a team with all kinds of depth. Maybe not the star power, but uh, an intriguing – again, there are a lot of intriguing two-way players in the top ten. JT is at Shagwa. Shagwa yeah. I know they'd like him to just focus on pitching, but he's a potential – impactful two-way player who might factor into the lineup and the bullpen. And their bullpen just sounds otherworldly, and they have a legit that's Friday guy in Kibitza. Boy, I mean, that's, 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 you're right. I mean, it's, it's the depth on the mound. Uh, the depth is, is just scary on the mound. I mean, uh, you know, this, I think, is the best bullpen in college baseball. I think it's even better than Florida's bullpen because right. I think you've got, um, you know, the Sims-Shagwa one-two punch. Woo. Boy, that's that's awfully that's good. good. And, John and Sims and is a special arm. We knew that coming out of high school, and then Shagwat has lit it up in the Cape. And then you've got Tyler Duffy as a third guy that's got a really good arm and, and is a, a proven, experienced guy. You've got uh, different looks from the right side and the left side. Um, the staff is fantastic. I think Austin Kubitz is a guy we both really like. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him have an All-America sophomore right. year. And the lineup, to me, um, you so know. Like Jeremy Rathjen kind of coming back yeah. to full health is a, a big key for them. Big key. I mean, he's a guy that uh, is an offensive player that is, again, an experienced player. Um, you know, he can run. He can hit. He's got some power. I mean, he, he can do a little bit of everything for you. Um, they need Fuda. You know, again, another guy coming back. He needs to stay healthy and have a big year. Michael Rattery, uh, offensive player, moving to left field. I think that takes some pressure off him. Right. Um, um, you know, he struggled second base, of course, as we know. Um, I think he can just relax, concentrate on hitting, and I expect him to have a monster year. Uh, and then, you know, I think it helped actually in some ways um, that Rendon had to DH all last season because he allowed Shane Helsher to get his, his feet wet at third base. Now you've got a proven, experienced left side of the infield with Helsher and Derek Hamilton. You've got a great catcher, one of the more unheralded players out there, and Craig Manuel. Uh, oh, best, like Craig Manuel. Yeah, their best, their best bat handler, got a great last name, and, and a <laughs> fantastic leader and, and catch-and-throw guy. No relation. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good team. I think, uh, I think this is the year I think they can finally get back to Omaha. Actually, I say no relation. I do remember when I was 14, visiting Cousins in Houston. Hmm. I wonder. Hmm. I have to ask my dad about that. He'll probably know, oh yeah, that is your cousin. Yeah, I don't know him. <laughs> um... 
That's a that's as good a way of any to wrap up the podcast, Darren. We're not going to make preseason picks here because uh, we're saving that for the issue. But suffice it to say, if Florida doesn't make it to the College World Series, we'll be shocked. And I think we'll be a little bit shocked if South Carolina doesn't make it to the College World Series. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be Omaha without them. I mean, their right. fans have overrun the Drover, but uh, thanks to the Drover, uh, there's always room for everybody. That, that place is uh, Drover, sponsor this podcast already. I've <laughs> been asking it. you for years. <laughs> well, they don't need us. They were on uh, Man versus Food this uh-huh. year. So, Man versus Fuda. So they don't need us this year. Aaron, it's great to have you in the office. We're going to have a Bafo college, college preview issue. I'll let loose that uh, Michael Roth is on the cover in a little bit of a departure. But uh, most, of our co- most of our college preview issue cover boys make it to the major leagues. Um, we've got Jorge Reyes has got a little ways to go yet, but uh, Mike Stutes on the Jorge cover a couple Reyes. years ago, already in the big leagues. Uh, Bobby Brownlee is about the only one I can think of. What about Joe Savory? He didn't make it. Oh, he was in the, he was in the big league he last was. year. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Savory uh, up to 94 late in the year Fantastic. Uh, for the Philadelphia Phillies after uh, shortening up his arm stroke when he moved to first base. Joe Savory, one of the best stories of the minor leagues last year, gave up pitching, was playing first base in A ball, hit his way to double A. They got into an extra inning game that went so long they got him on the mound. He, like, bumped the low 90s, and they were like, hey, it threw pretty well out there, and basically being an infielder had shortened up his arm stroke back the way it used to be, and uh, he was pumping 94 miles an hour in the Grandes Ligas last year. That's so awesome. Joe Savory, uh, we love Joe Savory. Uh, guys are great college baseball players like that. We want to see those guys succeed in the big leagues. It's good for Major League Baseball, and it's good for college baseball. So uh, I think we have a chance, Aaron, to have a, a, a nice era of college baseball with the changes in the CBA. I think you have a – We've just talked about all these first-round picks who've been coming to college baseball. Yeah. And we have a chance of more elite talent coming to college baseball. There are more teams trying in college baseball. We have more. We have uh, you know, the ballpark boom that has ended in the minor leagues. still seems like it's going on in college baseball. Uh, this is a great time to be a college baseball fan, and I'm obviously psyched. I'm obviously gifted about this season. Yeah. No, I'm obviously psyched about college baseball. And, and the new ballpark this year, I believe, is, is besides you know Arizona, Arizona State moving, is, is Texas A&M. Uh, I've heard great things about their project. That's going to be one of the new crown jewels. Is it really? I, I didn't know they were building it uh, at uh, College Station. It's, it's it's a major renovation, I guess, technically. But it's probably it's... Uh, based on kind of what they did at uh, at uh, Texas. Uh, yeah. Because they yeah. basically redid yep. Dish Falk, and they're going to do do the reason. same thing at the, what is it Olson Field, mm-hmm. I believe, at the Texas A&M. Uh, so, and and I think the ballpark everybody's chasing is South Carolina. That's the palace, and you got a chance to just see that last week. Uh, so between South Carolina and, and LSU and Ole Miss um, and, and Texas and Arkansas, <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it's hard to it's hard to pick. I think they're all from everything I've heard about the the, the ones I haven't been to and the ones that I have been to. Boy, I mean, it's we've got a great we've got a great bunch of ballparks now. Fun time to be a college baseball fan. Fun week to be a Baseball America with Aaron Fit back in the office. And I hope it was a fun podcast for you listening at home. Obviously, the college podcast every Monday during the regular season. I'll be uh, coming at you during the regular season in 2012 and in the postseason and much more at BaseballAmerica.com where we really cover college baseball uh, the, the way it's supposed to be, like it's a passion and also uh, like it's a profession. I try to, try to try to merge those two things together. So much more to come in 2012 here on the Baseball America podcast. For Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for the download. We'll see you next time. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.